If your Bibles are nearby, it's Acts chapter 2. My assignment included verses 14 through 39. And I'm not too sure when I'm supposed to stop because I understand that uh, Dennis went a little long. (laughs) Pastor Chuck didn't. Dennis did. Um, Am I okay? Okay, okay. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows that guy who had the seizure last night. Billy, are you close by? I know you're here. I know you're back. You made it. He's fine. I want you guys to know he's fine. Yeah. He was right behind me at dinner. So when he bent back, he leaned up against my chair and forced me in a bent position and at first, when I looked back and I saw his face, he was kind of doing like that. I go, what is, you know, you're thinking it's a joke. What, what are they doing? You know, what, what is the deal here? And as his body starts shaking, I realize this is serious. He, he's having a seizure. And uh, so I, you know, like any of you would, um, break out in kind of a arm-stretched prayer expecting something miraculous, and he continues to shake. And then, um, feel that it's time to get everybody to pray out loud. So I, I led the prayer, and I'm not saying that it was me or my prayer, but I'm just saying, about the time I prayed, he uh, started to calm, and everything's fine, and he's here. I just wanted to let you know that. Um, so I didn't know what it was, and I said to Roger Wingless, I said, do me a favor, track this guy and tell me how he does. And Roger says, oh, that's sweet of you. I said, no, I want to use it for an illustration. And he said, oh. Uh, so I found it, he's fine, so I'm going to work it into the study, because that's what happens in pastor's life. Whatever happens in our life works its way into a study. So about my third point, you'll hear more. <laughs> I think it would be great that he had this experience, because... Uh, <laughs> But, but here's what I found out this morning, and this is serious. Uh, uh, I said, Roger, what was it? He goes, believe it or not, uh, he had that seizure because he was dehydrated. I said, you're serious. That was just de- dehydration did that? <laughs> and she said, yeah. <laughs> so let's get started. That's what really happened. So he's fine. I'm telling you, he's fine. Good. I prayed. He's fine. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to get away from our regular routine, slow our hurried pace, and find this chance, this time, to realign our compass. Father, if even off a few degrees, we know it's important, we know it's necessary, inviting your spirit to speak that we leave this property truly, truly, holy, holy in your direction. I ask for help, God. For each one of us has been given such an awesome task. We speak on your behalf and lead your people. Oh, Lord, please help us this day to stay near, to stay close, so that in this expression of who you are, We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ever say anything dumb? Ever say anything foolish? 
ever say anything lame? You ever say anything embarrassing? Yeah, we all have. But how many of you have done that? Said something lame or foolish or embarrassing? In the name of Jesus. You know, you're supposed to be speaking on his behalf. And as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it's not his half. No, 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 no. That's your whole. That was you. Had nothing to do with him whatsoever. And after the fact, you think, man, oh man, if I could just do that all over again. Now, most of us, most of us have been there. And it's interesting because most of us don't just preach one service every week. We preach at least three. You say, no, 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 Bob, our church just got started. I only preach one a week. No, 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 you preach at least three a week. You preach the first message before you preach it in your mind. And that's the one that sounds really great. That's the one you're doing in the shower, even gesturing, and thus I say, and you must be. You know, and, and in your mind, it's just solid stuff. They'll be buying CDs for months to come. That's the first message. The second message is the real one. <laughs> and that's the one that's like, oh, it automatically leads to a third message. That's the one you preach all the way home. <laughs> and if I would have, and if I could have, and if I had the chance again, I, you know, next time, oh man, I could have I I done that. And some of us have been preaching three messages a week for many years. <laughs> and it's the same old thing. Some of you say something. It's just one sentence. And at nighttime, Sunday night is the worst. Because it just plays back over in your mind again and again. Ah, oh, ah. Oh, and you can feel a little pain in your stomach. Ah, 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 ah. I think that's the position of Peter. I think that's exactly the position of Peter. You see, before this chapter unfolds, he has a memory. Oh, not like Tom Stipe and not like John the drummer. His memory brings him back to some of the worst sentences. He lays in bed at night thinking, it's good for us to be here. <laughs> Why did I ever say that? It's just so lame. Built three tabernacles. No, 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 no. no. Oh, try it again. Try it again. No, 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 no. I should have never. Hey, Lord, that crucifixion thing, not you. Oh, what was I thinking? It's the very reason he came. I can't believe I blew that one. I'll never forget. That was the day he called me Satan. I, uh. Chuck's never called me that. <laughs> and then there was that other time. <laughs> oh, oh why, why, why three times? Why three times? <laughs> no, all else will fail you, but not me. I won't, I promise. Oh. He told me I would. And I still hear this sound of a rooster in the back of my head. Can't get that stinking sound out of my head. Yeah, right now in, in the book of Acts, I, I, I'm Peter kind of the loser guy. 
I don't think if they have an apostle conference, they're going to ask me to speak. (laughs) Not the way it's been going, man. Maybe they'd try me out with a workshop or something. I don't know. (laughs) What if I did a devotion? I got an idea. I I got an idea for devotion, man. They ought to try me out, man. But, boy, let's... can can, Can I... Sincerely say, if I had the chance to speak one more time for you, Lord, I wouldn't blow it. I wouldn't waste it. I wouldn't lose it. And that's exactly where some of you have been. Yeah, your first attempt wasn't really what you thought it would be. And even quite possibly for the last several weeks, something's been happening in your heart and something's been happening in your fellowship. You, I think, maybe Peter, questioning your call. Seems like every time I speak, it just doesn't go the way that I thought it should go. I just, I don't even feel like doing it. But if you gave me one more chance, God, and just about the moment that, in my imagination, Peter says, if you'd give me just one more chance. When we sat down next to each other and you said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And I said, yeah, I love you. And you said, feed my sheep. Man, I went away and I got in the word and I've just got things in my heart now. But I need to have the opportunity. I need to have the chance to speak. I would love to just one more time, God, just one more time, give me one more opportunity to speak on your behalf. And I promise you, God, I will make it. I will get it. I will do this. And about that moment, the Holy Spirit, kind of like a director on a, on a movie set, Pete. You're on, man. It's your turn. And in three, two, one, Acts 2 and 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now pause right there your attention, please. I've got four simple somethings. They're thoughts, they're truths. I just want you to consider this fact because my assignment was New Testament evangelism and preaching. So if you're preaching and you hope to evangelize, the first of four is sometimes you have to tell people what's not happening so they understand what is happening. And that's exactly what he does. You see, he's looking at the crowd and he's very aware of who is in his crowd. In fact, you can be aware of who's in his crowd. It's the same crowd that shows up in your fellowship in verses 12 and 13 of the same chapter we read. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Now look at the three categories. One, some are amazed. Don't you love the amazed people that come to your church? They come in, they go, wow. After a Bible said, that was amazing. I love to hear somebody say, that was amazing what you just said. Well, nothing much, uh, just the word of God, you know, yeah. And, and that's the group that you just come back for. Some people are amazed by me, and all the people that are amazed, I preach. No, no, that's not the only folks in the crowd. You have the amazed, but you also have the perplexed. <laughs> what is he saying? I don't understand that. Now, in another translation, it doesn't just say they're perplexed. It says they doubt. I doubt he's called. I doubt he even knows what he's talking about. I doubt I'll ever come back here again. But there's a third group, and they're the mockers. 
Another translation reads, they're the ridiculers. They're just right on the edge and you can feel them sometimes. I don't know about you, but when I'm speaking to a crowd, I look for those affirming heads, you know? It's like, yeah, my wife's always like, nearby, yes, it's great, yes, I love you, yeah. You know, I, I look for that face. But every once in a while, you get one of the people like, oh, shut up, you know? What? And they're the ones who bug you. And I think this is bugging Pete. Because he feels the need, aware of the perplexed and aware of the mockers. Guys, here's what I need to do. I need to tell you what's not happening. I need to make sure you know what we're not doing so that you can understand what we are doing here. Do you understand that right now we're living in a strange time for people of faith and people stuck in religion and people with the variety of backgrounds, they show up at your church and there's a lot of confusion. And yes, some are genuinely amazed. You're just going to open up the Bible and begin to teach it. But that other two categories, those people that are doubting and those people that are ridiculing, sometimes you have to say, and here's what I say every week when people come forward to receive Christ, I say, guys, listen, they're not joining our church per se. They're joining the church. It's global. It's coast to coast. It's pole to pole. They're welcoming. We are now into the family of faith. This is the family of God. But this is not our... And I tell them what it's not. Why? Because some people walk away and go, yeah, and at the very end, he tried having people join, the, join his church. Now, that's not what it is. I don't recommend that you do what we did because we didn't do it for that reason. But 25 years later, there's still buckets in the back. We've never received an offering. Received? It's different from taking one. But it was weird when we first started because it's just a few of us. So I couldn't, you know, leave the pulpit and have a basket in my hand, hand it to my wife, cough it up, babe. <laughs> Turn to my friend, Fidel, his wife, Teresa. There was only four of us here. So we put buckets in the back. Well, we still do the buckets in the back. You say, well, that's kind of strange. Even at this time, you still do the buckets in the back. You need to know the time and season we started Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale. The shepherding movement in Fort Lauderdale had basically reached into people's hearts and minds and controlled them. So the people who were first showing up at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, a lot of them coming out of the shepherding thing where you had a shepherd and he followed you and he told you and you had no freedom. I, I'm thinking, God, you're so what? You're going to make sure that people know what we're not doing so they can understand what we are doing. I'm not here for your money. I'm here for your heart. I'm here for your soul. I'm trying to be an extension of God's grace. And if money's going to get in the way, if, a, if an offering's going to get in the way right now, I've got to just do this for now. And now it turned into many years later. I think Peter sees these folks and he says, guys, I, I, I really want you to get this. And the reason I believe that he says that, it Shows up in the text itself, but I'll draw your attention again to verse 14. He says, let this be known to you and heed my words. Listen to the way it reads in a couple of other translations. He says, listen carefully and make no mistake. Another translation reads, let me explain this and listen carefully. And then I love this one. Another translation says, listen carefully and get the story straight. How are you at helping even the mocker, even the doubter, Get the story straight. Hey, you might leave my place of service today. You might leave this house of God. But I'm going to make sure if I get the story straight, 
and you leave with a straight story. I've done my job whether you accept it or not. Feel the freedom, men, to make sure that when you explain, and that's the key word, and when you do your best to open this, the word of God, that little lights are going off in their mind, and even if they don't, they hear your heart. More importantly, they hear his heart, and every once in a while, listen, you even seize the opportunity to speak right to the ridiculer, because I know how the ridiculer feels. I had a woman just two weeks ago, we were doing communion, end of the service, sitting front row side, and she blew off communion, she was looking at her watch. She was an older woman, very dignified in her appearance, and she's looking at her her friend like, oh, this is going to go later now. And my eyes catch her eyes right at that moment. And I was like, oh, lady, you don't get this, do you? Now, you ever do this? <laughs> Maybe you do. I decided to preach right to her with everyone aware that I was kind of speaking generally. <laughs> and I said, can I share something with all of you? I looked right at her. And I said, someday, you're going to die. <laughs> I was really sincere, though. And I said, I don't know if you really know the Lord. And if something has happened in your life right now where you don't have time for him and you don't have opportunity, do you know what I'm doing? I'm asking God to gift me the compassion to speak to a mocker or to a doubter and make sure they leave with an impression on their mind. I pray they can never escape. I don't, I don't, I'm getting older now. I can say more stuff and not care. You know how that happens, you guys? I mean, this is truly a senior pastor's conference. When you get your AARP card in the mail, don't, don't spend, don't give them any money. The point I'm making is at my age, hey, I get this, a discount at Denny's. I, I, it's a frustrating thing. But I see it here in the scripture that if you're going to preach evangelistically, sometimes you have to tell people what you're not doing so they understand what you are doing. Move a little further. This time, pick it up in 17. We read, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, That I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon into blood. Before the coming of the great and awesome, awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Move all the way down to 25. We'll come back to 22. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You've made known to me the way of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. Pause right there. Second thought. Second truth. I think if you're going to preach evangelistically, you need to use the word of God to make your case just in case they never come back. Now, it would be way too obvious for me to say what most of you, if not all of you know, that it's the word of God that doesn't return void. 
Now, if the word of God doesn't return void, if I use the word of God in making my case, then they're left with the case because, in fact, it's the word of God. But if, in fact, I fail to reference the word of God, well, then, obviously, they're not left with the thing that will leave them with the thing that God was hoping to deliver to them through you. You don't have a prerogative. It's not your opportunity to share anything other than his opinion because we are his representation. I say that because what we have here is Peter's second chance to make a really great first impression. I can't get away from the fact that he determined if he ever had the chance to speak again, he wouldn't blow it. So what does he do? He says, you know what? If I ever have the chance to speak for God, I will speak what God will, and I'm going to fill my heart and fill my mind with so much word, the minute you touch me, out from me comes the word of God. Now, don't miss this. Here's a spirit-filled guy speaking in tongues, and when you touch him, out comes the word of God. It's the word of God. And when I see how boldly and how clearly he's declaring the word of God, I can't help but note that this word that comes out so very, very naturally is because it is stored up within him. Can I give you a reference point to consider on the side? It's Colossians 3 and 16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it get in you. Another translation says, fill your life with the word of God. Another translation reads, let the word of God have run of your house. You guys got little kids? Some of you got grandkids? If you've got grandkids, when they come over, there are no rules. No, used to be no feet here, no prints there. When you got grandkids, come over, have run of the house. Here scripture says, will you let the word of God have run of the house in your heart? So there's so much word going on and happening inside of you. The minute somebody says, hey, I got a question, or I'm not too sure what this is, boom, out of you comes the word of God. Notice where it happened. Just came back from Israel. We did a Bible study on the southern steps. Now, I know the rushing wind thing, upper room, but those who study it submit the only place this could have gone down was right there on the southern steps. As I began to think about it, I realized, wait a minute, whoa, 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 wait. When the Holy Spirit says, three, two, one, Pete, you're on, he hasn't prepared. It's not like this guy had a whole night. Ah, tomorrow I'll be preaching. Uh, uh, let me figure out. My first point will be men of Israel. No, no, men of Judea. No, how about men of, men of from everywhere? No, that won't work. Now, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit says, three, two, one. Now, now, here's my point. If you think you're only on when it's pulpit time, you're missing some of your better opportunities, guys. You see, the whole idea behind filling your heart with the word is the minute you come in contact with somebody who has need, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're the one with the Bible answer. So the minute says, I'm not too sure what I should think, what I should say, you go, oh, well, look, let me tell you what the... You see, it was probably about eight years ago, in our local paper, The Sun Sentinel, they started carrying this uh, two-man group called the God Squad. A Catholic and a Jew, you'd write in your questions, and they would provide the answers. And I was a little bothered, because it's a Catholic guy and a Jew guy, and I'm wondering where the Protestant gets to talk. So I called the editor of the newspaper, and I said, listen, I know you're running this thing called the God Squad. There's no Protestant. We, we're a pretty big number here in Broward County. Can I help? He goes, you Bob Coy? And I said, yeah. He goes, 
Well, then how about you take this challenge? You start writing a column. I'll put it right alongside of theirs, and you can answer the questions that get written in. Okay. Now, here's the cool thing about it. <laughs> here's the not-so-cool thing about it. They dropped me two years ago because they said I was too opinionated. But the good thing was... <laughs> the good thing was, it was for almost six years, people would say, I read their column, and there's never any Bible... In every one of your answers, there's always the word of God. Well, I'm not saying, oh, pat Bob on the back. I'm saying, I think that's what we're supposed to do. I think the whole idea is we're supposed to do the word of God thing, and it won't just be three, two, one, you're on Sunday morning. No, it's going to be at the grocery store. It's going to be around the block. It's going to be watching your kid play soccer, and then some heathen dad leans up against you and says, hey, I hear you're the pastor of that church. Yeah, wow, what, what, what's on your mind? We had our eighth grade graduation last week. My son's now officially a high schooler. And this woman walked up to me. She said, you don't know me. She said, but I need to tell you this real quick. She said, it was 17 years ago. And it was the Publix grocery store. And I came up to you and I started complaining about my husband. And she said, you looked me right in the eyes and you said, you have to stay in that marriage. You have to stay in. You have not yet seen what God can do with that marriage. And then she just starts crying. She goes, you would not believe what happened. That eighth grade boy that's graduating today, that's because I stayed in the marriage. And you don't know. Now I'm getting real emotional. And I say, now wait, wait, when was that at the grocery store? Oh, you'd never remember. I pulled her to the side and I said, I know who your son is. Let me show you something. And I reached in my phone and I said, this will really encourage you. Out of all the eighth grade class, I asked the administration to tell me who were the leaders in this class. And I want to show you that your son's name is on that list. Right next to my son's name. She cried some more. I knew she would. That's cool. <laughs> don't forget you're on, guys. And don't begin to judge people based upon whether or not they go to your fellowship before you give them the answer. You see somebody at the grocery store, can I ask you a question, Pastor? Uh, I don't know if I know you. You go to my church or not? I give answers to people who go to my church when I'm off. <laughs> uh, if you don't go, you ought to go ask your own pastor because I'm, I'm not really yours. <laughs> heard something John Corson said years ago. He said he determined to be the pastor for anyone who needed pastoring, whether they came to his church or not. And that so freed me just to be the pastor to anyone who needed pastoring. What's happening here is that out of Peter's heart comes Bible, 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 Bible. And without any time to prepare, what comes out of his heart is Bible, 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 Bible. And here's what I want you to note. It's incredibly evangelistic. It's incredibly powerful. 3,000 people get saved. And the total time, listen to this. The total time from verse 14 to verse 39, I read it with a timer last night. It's a minute 40 seconds. Some of you will say, I can't do evangelistic messages every time I'm finished teaching the Word of God. A minute, 40 seconds, he's got three different references from the Word. The Bible adds he shared a bunch of other words, but with a minute, 40 seconds worth of evangelism, he gets the job done. 
Don't think that you can't share the gospel in the closing five minutes of your rap because you can, because people are waiting to get saved. That's why he brought them there. But they're waiting to get saved in the grocery store and they're waiting to get saved in the ballpark. Don't forget that as well. Go back, meet Acts chapter 2, pick it up this time, 22. We pick up where we left off in a center section to read, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now, back to 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you. A patriarch David, he's both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. And please underline verse 32. We're all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this for which you now see and hear. Come on back with me, number three, quickly. If you're going to preach evangelistically, tell them who Jesus is and that he's alive. He's alive. And as I'm watching Peter in my mind, I see a very animated, very passionate, very enthusiastic communicator. He's got the life of Christ in him, so through him, you see the life of Christ. It's, I think, embarrassing that we could stand before the people of God and read this book in a fashion or style wherein which our listeners could actually fall asleep. Now, I've been guilty of it because I have a certain pitch to my tone and every once in a while, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll hear somebody and see them kind of, and it's like, it doesn't work. Sometimes it's lack of water, dehydration. (laughs) You lose them. But thematically, every commentator in this section of Scripture They push in the forefront of your mind and understanding reading the text that thematically, and I'll say that again, that thematically the point of the entire rap is Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. He's very much alive and you're the one responsible for taking him to the grave. Now, it happened and I employ it as an illustration. Last night dinner, suddenly there's this shaking. Bill, once again, your body began to move in such a way. I thought you were kidding. I find out you're not. And now Ken Graves has picked you up almost single-handedly, laid you on the ground, and there he is trying to figure out what to do next. I break out in prayer and somebody's saying, is there a doctor in the house? And I love the fact, not just one doctor in the house, There's a couple, a few doctors in the house. And it was interesting for me to observe it from an outstander's perspective how Ken's looking on, and he's compassionate, and and I love this, but he's thinking about doing the Heimlich on a guy who's having a seizure. Why? Because he doesn't know what he's doing, (laughs) lovingly I said, okay? Now, 
He says, must be a piece of meat. It's stuck. And I'm thinking, dude, the guy's still hungry and he wants to get it out of his gut. Ken will eat any food that you don't eat. He's trying to get it out of the guy. There's a piece of meat in there. Let me get it. Dude. But here comes Henry Ganey, Dr. Henry Ganey, and here comes Dr. Scott Murphy, and they walk around, and these guys are really calm. Da 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 And there's Ken. Out! Out! <laughs> Henry leans over, takes a couple little notes. Scott's over there, kind of touching a leg. They kind of stand up. Now, afterwards, I get Scott and I get, I get uh, Henry. I go, guys, listen, you're both doctors. What did you see that Ken failed to see? <laughs> You were struggling thinking you might have to do the mouth and mouth thing. That's what was happening. That's, that's why he was apprehensive. Oh, Bob, get in here. No, no, I'm praying. I'm praying. Jesus, help me now. <laughs> Kenneth lets you die before he does mouth to mouth. I know that. But here's what happened. I see Henry and I see Scott and I go, oh, it's so cool. Doctors are here. And listen to what happened. In my heart, there was peace. There was an immediate peace. I know they know what they're doing. And by looking at his breathing and Henry says, checking for perspiration, Scott says, well, I knew this by looking at this. I knew this by looking at this. And it's just a matter of time and he's going to be fine. There are a lot of people out there practicing pastoring on people that don't know what they're doing. And they scare people. They scare, I, can, I can write a pretty scary end times rap. I, I can get people to feel pretty guilty. And I'm watching here Peter employ the word and he will... Allow the Holy Spirit to cut them to the core. But I don't know that he is in any way, shape, or form going to miss it with this message. I think he's hitting a home run. I think this is the one that's out of the park. Why? Well, because he was so into the word that once he was on, he had something of substance that with the delivery changed lives. Which leads to my conclusive point. Know with me in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, see it, taken responsibility, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were, and here's a wonderful thing that happens when you rely upon the Spirit, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, well, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all are far off, as many as the Lord will call. And I love that. Because that is, and listen, the fourth and final point, 
when you're evangelistically preaching, relying on the Spirit to do the work of the Spirit. He gets the word out. And now the word is out. He makes them responsible. You know, you guys are the ones. You crucified the Lord. And here's what you need to do. You need to repent. Repentance is going to bring about an awareness that change must take place. You need to be baptized. I want to see it mean something. And listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm offering you a gift from God. This will be the opportunity for you to actually become what God has created you to be. I would imagine everyone wants to be what God has created them to be and fall short not a inch. And I love that. Because, you see, each one of us, every one of us, have been given the opportunity by God wherever we're at to actually invite the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he anoints us, the minute we open our mouth with God's word, God is going to be doing something that has very little to do with you. I am hoping that in Peter's mind, he is believing that Jesus' promise was going to come to pass. Peter has a few bad memories, but he also has some great memories. And he remembers Jesus saying, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You're going to be fishing for men. Well, I'm a fisherman. I know if I'm a fisher for fish, I get fish. If I'm a fisher of men, I should get men. You made a promise. When am I going to get some men? Peter, it's going to happen right now. You rely upon the Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit cuts people to the heart. One of the translations reads, it pierces them. Another translation reads that the word is pain slash wound. People when they hear the word of God and they know they're not right, they feel something right here. It's like, ow, ow, you just hurt me, but that's the Lord. He loves me. And I now want to change. Listen, guys, we're all fishers of men. We might be a little different lure. We might be a little different bait, but we're all fishers of men. I like to fish, and I know I got a tackle box, and I open up that tackle box, and there's all these lures, and there's all these tricks, and I try one for a while, then I try another one for a while. We are all different baits. We're all different lures. We're all going to catch at some point in time. Why? He promised that that's what he'd do to us and through us. But each one of us, we can't be comparing bait to bait. No, I, I look at Mike McIntosh, and I see, you know, kind of a classic lure, you know? One of those reliable, trusty ones. I think of Greg Laurie and I see something very shiny. Something very polished. Very pretty. I think of Raul Reese and I think of a rubber worm. <laughs> no, no. No, I love him. <laughs> he can beat me up. I love the guy. Uh, but I'm thinking each one of us in our own unique way have been created by God to catch men. But where have you been fishing? Final thought. I watched the guys last night. I saw this thing 35 years ago. I want you to know that although we've been around 25 years, it was about 20 years ago, I made an unusual decision to actually present the gospel at the end of our Bible studies. Now, I could do the same thing most of you could do at the time. Look out and see most everybody I know. I know they're saved. I know they're saved. I know they're saved. Nah, I'm going to skip the Bible study evangelistic part this week. I taught the word. I've been faithful. And I went out to harvest, and I saw Greg do this thing, and people are coming forward. And I go, why don't I do that thing? And I thought, you know what? I, I guess I could do that thing. But everybody already knows. And maybe that's where your battle's at. 
This is what happened. I, I got in front of the folks the following week and I said, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to present the gospel. But here's what you need to know as a church. I'm going to always present the gospel. And the reason I'm letting you know that every week I'm going to present the gospel at the end of my Bible study is I would love to have our church have the reputation If you want to get somebody saved in South Florida, you can bring them to Calvary Fort Lauderdale because Bob will always present the gospel at the end of every Bible study. So the first few weeks, you're right. I do it. Nothing happens. Okay. I threw out the net and I pulled it back and there was nothing inside. Oh, do you think that's an odd or rare occasion for a fisherman to throw a net in and get nothing back? Or to put a line in and get nothing back? It happens all the time. But I'm going to keep on throwing the net. Now, here's the crazy thing that happened. I keep on throwing in the net, and people start to feel sorry for me that are attending church. (laughs) Bless his heart every week, hoping someone that's lost comes. You know, we ought to bring someone. (laughs) Sure would bless them. (laughs) Yep. So you know what we did? We kept on doing it. And about three months into it, I'll never forget, there wasn't one person that came forward, but three people actually came forward. They stood at the front. I pray a prayer. They cry. And everyone now in the congregation, very spontaneous, in between us, I look like a hero, man. Because these are people they love. And now their church brought them into the kingdom. And now they come up, oh, man, I can't believe what happened. This is so amazing. Well, bring more lost people. We'll do this again next week. So, after how many years, I start to slow with it just a little bit. And two years ago, I was invited to uh, speak at the Cove and then speak at the uh, staff chapel at the Evangelistic Association there in Charlotte. And then I go to the Billy Graham Library. And I walk all the way through the library at the end. And I hear this guy say, We host visitors every week and they come through this building and they hear the testimony of Billy's life. And so far, we have had uh, 8,922 people receive Christ after walking through this building. Excuse me? Now, because his first grandson is a member of our staff, he said, hey, you want to go see granddad? And I said, yeah. So we drove up to his house. And I sat in his living room and there's Billy and... Stefan and myself, and there were a few times that, based upon his age, we just kind of waited for him to talk and ask him a question and kind of wait a little while for him to talk. He's older. And when we came down the mountain, I said to Stefan, I said, you know, something happened at the library in my heart. And something happened at Daddy Bill's house. I said, uh, he didn't stop. This guy so wanted lives won by Christ. He just didn't let up. I said, but you know, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul saying at one point, I'm fighting the good fight. And then a little later he says, I fought the good fight. I'm done fighting. I came down from that mountain. I said, I know my age. I'm still fighting. Billy's fight is just about up, but I'm still fighting. And I got in front of the congregation. I said, guys, I haven't been very consistent about presenting the gospel every week. I said, I want you to know, your pastor also has a burden for lost souls. We will be presenting the gospel every week. And I wanted you to be aware of it because I apologize that I haven't. 
But if you bring lost people here, we're going to do the best job we can to get them into the kingdom. And at every service, everyone applauded. And from that Sunday forward, if I'm preaching, I will take just a few moments at the close of the study and say, if you would like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come forward and stand. And I want you to pray a prayer with me. And do you know what? (laughs) My God is really faithful. My God is so faithful. Do you know how the heart of God once lost people found? And for us to have church and for everybody to come in and us look at the crowd and say, well, I kind of know everybody here and I've got my wrap down and I've got that wrap prepared because I did it last night and now I'm done. God bless you guys. I wonder what part of heaven just weeps because he looks around and goes, that was the one time and that was the one chance and I don't know why you didn't think it was your gig. I don't know why you didn't think it was your job. Get him in the kingdom, man. We don't have that much time. With the stuff the guy said from Israel, me coming back from there, it's like I don't don't understand how but that we could even live another year without hearing the sound of that trumpet, man. I think we'll hear it in my lifetime. Chuck says we'll hear it in his lifetime. I want to believe him. But here's what I want to do. I want to preach and preach and preach and preach and make sure that everyone that needs to know hears That Jesus Christ is alive. You have the cure. Make sure that all of you doctors know that he wants to change lives. He wants to save soul. And it's now your turn. You're on in three, two, one. Father, we thank you so much for the Bible study. We thank you so much for Acts chapter two. And we thank you, God, for a reasonable exhortation that can certainly stir us out of our complacency. If we've come to the place in our hearts and mind where we're just same old, same old, God, forgive us. We have the truth. You have given us your blood. People can be forgiven, set free, liberated. We thank you, God, for giving to us this trust. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, God, to know those words will be heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys.